Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. We're getting a little bit back to our roots today, in in a way. We're going to celebrate Thanksgiving by talking about Food, and that's basically my favorite thing to talk about or think about at all in the entire <laughs> world. Uh, it also turns out it was, I think, the topic of three of our first four episodes. So in that way, we're sort of getting back to our roots here on on the podcast today. You've sent me a, a nice long list of, of food, a feast for us for Thanksgiving, um, although it might make a bit of an odd feast if you put all of these things together. But You've asked me to pronounce these. So uh, we'll kick it off with, uh, I think it's a kind of berry, maybe. It's some sort of superfood. I know this. And people put it in a lot of smoothies. You go to health food stores or all these smoothie stores, and they've got this this available for you. I don't really know what it tastes like or or what it actually is, um, it, but it's spelled A-C-A-I. I don't know if there's supposed to be any little accents anywhere. I think it's pronounced acai. Wow. It's acai. Yeah, you were close. To, or the, the emphasis is on the last part. But yeah, most people think it's like an ak in there or akai is what I always had said. What about you, Ross? How did you always pronounce well, I, it? Well, I, the, the, the there's like a little squiggle under the sea. It's called a sedilla. And I happen to, because of French, I happen to know that, that that means that the C sound is pronounced not like a cub, but a sa. So actually, I had a, a sigh is what I would say, which is also wrong. But it's wrong on the other letter, not on that. It's wrong on an emphasis, not on the actual word. But that goes to the point, though, that little squiggle under the, underneath the C is like with, in French, if you notice, like c'est moi or whatever, it has like a little five underneath it. And that's called a sedilla. And what that does is that softens the C sound. So it is a sa'i. Where does the word come from? It's a Portuguese. Oh. It comes from it comes from Brazil, and I mean that's I think this is one of those cases we've talked about them a lot of, of foreign imports into our language into English, and and that's why I think the spelling is so unlike the, the pronunciation is so unlike what we'd expect that spelling to be, and what it was was um, early explorers of Brazil saw indigenous people eating these palm tree berries. I want to make one point though, which Kathy obviously knows. It's not a Portuguese word. It's a Portuguese transliteration of an indigenous uh, word from the people there who were called uh, the Tupi Guarani. And I'm going to let Kath take on the difficult pronunciation. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, the Tupi Guarani word was, it's well, the word is spelled I-W-A-C-A apostrophe I, meaning something which cries or expels water. The Portuguese wrote it down as A-C-A-I, which is sort of the end of it, but with a cedilla under the C and an accent on the I. So we have, how would it have been pronounced in the Tupi Guarani language? We don't know. The Portuguese pronounced it acai and so do we. I, I just thought of something. I'm going to throw this out to both of you. That cedilla really isn't correctly, I mean, isn't normally used in English. But can either of you think of a word in English, which used to have the sedilla, but no longer does. I can't really think of, I thought of one word, 
And as Kathy was trying to pronounce Iwasai or whatever, I looked it up and I was right, but I can't find any other. And can you guys think of that one word? I can think of a couple words that like would have come from French that we French, use. French, me too. Like facade. Right, exactly. That's it. Okay. And that's the only one I could, I could think of soupçon. Soupçon, I thought of... But that's a French word. That's really, really a French. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's what I mean. I couldn't. I can't think of anything that's just a. That's not just a French word. Like garçon, we say that every now and then. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. Fa- facade is is a word that that is common in in English now. That's the only one I can think of just offhand. That was all I could think of too. Kathy, do you have any others or not? I cannot think of one. No, I cannot. But whatever. I'm glad the cedilla doesn't exist in English anymore. And it doesn't <laughs> exist in Spanish either. I just thought of that. No. That's weird. They invented it, I think, and they don't use it. Huh. Speaking of French, though, let's jump ahead to our next. Uh, it's not exactly a food. It's, well, it, it is It is its own thing. Uh, <laughs> it's something that you would get sort of, let's say, along with a French dip sandwich. And uh, it's two words. The first word, A-U. The second word, J-U-S. I would say au jus, but... I really, really hate how people use this because they'll say something like, do you want the odd juice with it? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> we hate that too. <laughs> Two things. First of all, it is au jus, as you said, but technically. But I mean, you can say it with a little bit of the S and many people do au jus, sort of. In fact, Brits do that more often, I think, don't they? I believe so. Kathy noticed that because it really technically in French is au jus. And then Kathy looked it up on the Oxford English Dictionary, and they have a audio pronunciation. And the woman there says, oh, juice, oh, juice, <laughs> which we both disagree with, as do most of the French, as does virtually every culinary magazine in the States. I think it should be au jus. But I agree with both of you. I really get annoyed with serving French dip with au jus, which our mom said. Mom said that all the time, Kathy. Did she? Yeah, when, when I first got she married. She was also the one who would go trattatoria. So, I mean. Our mother was a mom wonderful. Mom had a tendency to overdo. She wonderfully mangled uh, various languages. But she'd always go, do you want something with au jus? She always said that. Well, that's like common now, because if you look online, things are always like you French dip with au jus. And people not realizing that the O is with. It really you would say French dip au jus. Right. But I think at this point, I mean, what do you guys think? I, I think I'd let that slide if people want to say with au jus at this point. I know it's wrong, technically, but what do you think? I'm not going to slap them or anything, but inside I'm going to be mad. <laughs> inside I'm going to be weeping. <laughs> there was an interesting, I just looked at this. Um there was like someone was saying, but what if you're ordering French dip in a restaurant that doesn't seem that sophisticated? Do you like specify, like, does it come with the jus? I guess you said it doesn't come with the dip. But are you sure well, no, it comes it with the dip? wouldn't say the dip because it's not dip. It's not dip. So what it's do you say? It's not like ranch dressing. But the, there, this guy was just saying it. He was saying, well, you know, what do I do? I'm in a restaurant. I'm scared of getting a dry sandwich. So do I just say... I would say with au jus. Yeah. <laughs> I would also say with au juice if I had to. <laughs> oh, one other thing, just briefly. This is something that... Um, do you guys know the difference between au jus and gravy? I would assume jus is, is clear and gravy is uh, thickened with flour. Precisely. Usually. Because we have, a, we have a big argument in our family because a lot of times the modern Greek word for... Um, gravy is salsa which my son has a fit over because i say can i have some salsa which 
sort of the next term right here coming up. Sure, yeah. Um, jumping ahead to, I, I guess, sort of, are the, these like the little cubes that you put in hot water to make broth? Mm-hmm. Okay, B-O-U-I-L-L-O-N. Um, I suppose it's technically supposed to be something like bouillon, uh, but I, I would say bouillon. Perfect. <laughs> I'm not complaining. Yeah, you're right. It's bull. It, the L is a soft, like a very light L, and it can be yon or yen, bouillon, bouillon. But um, the problem with this is a lot of people tend to pronounce it as in the gold bars, bullion. Right. You know. Right. And that's where you get like a little dicey sometimes. The next one is one that Kathy and I we consistently mispronounce this word. And we're very curious if Fletcher will as well. Well, uh, what I guess uh, it's been so long that you guys may not remember. We uh, actually had an entire episode on this one. So I thought you were just giving me a nice freebie uh, right here and, and making me feel good. But this is uh, like chopped up tomatoes that you put. It doesn't have to be chopped up tomatoes, does it? But that you put on crusty bread, uh, B-R-U-S-C-H-E-T-T-A, it's bruschetta. Yes, and right. you do remember that previous uh, episode, which mm-hmm. I forgot. So <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I was thinking, Rose, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a couple years. It's all right. <laughs> Kathy was signaling me on the uh, on Skype going, what are you talking about? I completely forgot. <laughs> yes, it is bruschetta. <laughs> Fletcher hasn't forgotten. I will never forget how to pronounce this word again. So there we go. And we did talk the previous time about the Italian uh, usage of the word C. C when it's followed by an I or an uh, E is pronounced the CHA, but when it's CH, it's a, usually a K sound. And this is a very common mistake. Yeah, and what we hear a lot of people say, of course, is bruschetta, right? Correct. And this is one of those ones, and I think we did say that in that episode, that unfortunately, when you say it correctly, a lot of times people... Uh, criticize you or correct you and say you'll say bruschetta you'll say bruschetta and they'll go oh you want the bruschetta and um they're wrong of course and but this is sort of like oh shoot we go back to i think something's so commonly used that it's 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 kind of a wash to me whether to say it bruschetta technically bruschetta but i i wouldn't hurt you yeah but i i i have gotten corrected incorrectly and that does bug me i I don't i don't like it if people are trying to tell me that what I've said is wrong when they're wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, something to satisfy our sweet tooth just a little bit. C-A-R-A-M-E-L. Uh, I say caramel. I know there are a lot of people say, that say caramel, and I don't have a problem with that. We don't either. This is a more of an interesting one where either could be probably pronounced, I mean, it can be arguably pronounced, both can be pronounced correctly. The real thing is, is the um, geographic distribution. Um, caramel with uh, three syllables is mostly a northeastern and an eastern coast. Well, actually, not northeastern, all the way down the coast. Caramel is mostly uh, midwestern and western. But you're saying you pronounce it caramel. Yeah, I do. How about other people in your area? I would say it's um, maybe not 50-50, maybe like 60-40 caramel. Okay. Ah, that's interesting. I'm a caramel person, as in I drive a car, you know, caramel. I don't say caramel. But and also on that note, it was funny because I was talking to my wife who's from Seattle and she was saying when she was a kid, she thought of like caramel as sort of the upper class way of pronouncing it and caramel is sort of the lower class way of pronouncing it. And I have no idea and she has no idea why she got that in her head, but that was just 
another, I mean, was there a class distinction between how you pronounce this thing anyway? I don't think so, but I'm just interested in that. Well, the UK, I think, is more caramel. Um, And American is a little more caramel. Yeah. So I'm wondering, no, but she had caramel as low class and caramel upper class. I don't know. (laughs) I'm lost. It's a sticky wicket, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) Moving along to a nice flaky baked good, C-R-O-I-S-S-A-N-T. In French, this is going to be croissant. I know the two of you are likely to say croissant is fine because that's what everyone here says. Yes, <laughs> indeed. You have incidentally, you, you do the French accent quite nicely. I can't. <laughs> Thank you. And Ross and I both agree with this one. The I think the problem with this word is it looks so French, and we know it's French. Is that people sort of freak out and go, do you want to sound super French and do like croissant? You know what I mean? Like sort of like Maurice Chevalier or something. Or do you do the middle course like croissant? Or do you want to say croissants or croissants? And um, we opt for the middle, actually. That's sort of half and half, sort of French and sort of not. Okay, say say it then. Say it like you, you would suggest, I guess. I would say croissant. You would say croissant? I would say I would like to have a croissant. I would say it more, I guess, with a modified French accent completely. I would okay. like a croissant. Okay, well, I, that... I'm a little surprised uh, because that, I mean, that's generally what I would do, but I, I, I guess I made an assumption and figured you guys were going to go with the, no, the wi- widely accepted pronunciation here in the States. I think what we're saying is it's okay to do so. I can't help it. I, I would order a croissant, I guess, because I've ordered them in France and, you know, I think of it as a croissant. Kathy, I don't think you would, though. No, I would not. I was just going to say I would go the, the, the more American way, which is I would pronounce the T. I would say croissant. Qua, qua, and I do, but, but still with the qua, the qua sound. I would do qua, not craw. Uh huh. But I would do aunt, <laughs> like the modified way of saying aunt. <laughs> That's interesting. And what do you do, Fletcher? Uh, you do. I. Uh, it depends on whether I want to feel like I'm being a dick or not. I mean, I live in you know, Wichita, Kansas, right? And so mm-hmm. it, that's different from, I don't know, Toronto. And that's not to say that we're not um, educated or, or anything like that, but it, walking around saying croissant is a little bit weird to a lot of people. Um, so, you know, if, if I feel like being kind of a jerk, then I'll do that. But otherwise, <laughs> eh, if I'm just feeling lazy, I'll just say croissant. Croissant? Yeah. I mean, I don't, that I would prefer that's not how it is, but we also have a... You know, a street here named Greenwich, right? And, and I would <laughs> prefer that that's Greenwich, but it doesn't matter what I would prefer because it's not what people say. Yeah, I think I'm a croissant. But the purpose of language is to get your point across and to get it a point, you know, get it a point across clearly. And in this case, I think Fletcher, you're modifying your your speech to fit where you are, which I think is perfectly reasonable. If I were in France, I think I'd be still ordered. I would try to order as closely to the French with my bad French accent as I could. And I think I would order croissant and I would modify it somewhat. We have a lot of French-ish words uh, today, which which I guess we're talking about food, right? So maybe that's not that surprising. These are uh, small vegetables or small pieces of vegetable that you eat as sort of hors d'oeuvres. C-R-U-D-I-T-E-S, which is crudité, yeah? Very good. You haven't haven't missed one. Ross, we should have picked harder ones. I told you I like to eat. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not wild about crudité, though, personally. I, I really don't. I never thought... Th- th- I mean, it came into English because it was the height of uh, the cocktail party circuit in the 1960s, and it's basically crudité we all know, or 
um, raw vegetables on a plate with ranch dressing or something. And I always dislike this sort of uh, appetizer personally. I don't know about you guys, but you're right. It's pronounced crudité, and it comes from the French, and it means raw. And it comes from the Latin from there, crudus, which means raw or rough. It does feel sort of like um, the fancy way just to say vegetable tray. It does. No, I like a soft puffy thing. Puff pastry. Yeah, give me item. a puff. That's right. Give me a puff pastry. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> but here's a question. Do we really use crudite now? Would you use it? Yeah, I see it on menus still. Uh, <laughs> again, that's when they want to be fancy, right? That's when they want to yeah, they, right. they want you to with the au jus. Yeah. <laughs> they want you to pay too much for baby carrots. Yeah, right. <laughs> they always have like a those baby carrots always have like slightly moldy taste to me. I never liked them. Whatever. Well, you know that they're not really baby carrots. They're just big carrots that they cut down. They got a lot out of one carrot. They're man-made. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, that like, blew me away. So see, not only are you getting no puff pastry, you're getting bogus carrots. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. I, I want to maintain too. that illusion that there are little tiny baby carrots. I always thought they were cute little Carrotets. tiny baby carrots. That's depressing. Yeah, well, now. let's move Good to a morning. better tasting food right now. And it's away from the French. Fletcher? Yes, C-U-M-I-N, a wonderful spice that I use all the time. I say cumin. Is there another way? I've heard cumin as well. This is one of the ones that we said it's like it's something that has an identity problem. It's cumin, cumin, or cumin. It's all three. Oh, I've never heard that third one before. Yeah, cumin is what I used to always say, but it's it's the least common of the three. Um, It's most frequently cumin, but cumin is also, you know, common as well. Cumin? Or is it cumin? Well, don't, don't, there's terrible puns that we can come up with that I'm trying to avoid yeah. ones. Yeah. It came, though, from, Ross, you can pronounce the Latin, because it came from, um, which is why I would assume it would be the coup is the most is the most. Yeah, it came from the Latin uh, uh, cuminum, which comes from the Greek cuminon, which probably came from the Hebrew common and probably in Arabic. It could have come by Arabic as well, which is common. Uh, so, I mean, we have a lot of different spelling for this. It's funny, though, because when you guys started this, this one always intimidated me as a kid. I never really knew how to pronounce it until we, uh, I don't know, it just really bothered me as a kid. I was always thought it was cumin or cumin, and I would get confused, and I guess I was right to be confused. You can pronounce it any way you want, it sounds like. Pretty much. I'm just interested because the cumin seems like it would be the more... The least correct, because I know it came from the Latin, but if the roots were originally common or common, I would think common, as I used to say it, is more correct. Well, the Latin doesn't have, the Latin would be pronounced, there's no Q in that. In that, in Latin, it would be cuminum. Cuminum. Mm-hmm. So it would have no so Q. So the cumin is probably the least logical. Correct, it is. It's, it would be the least logical. Mm-hmm. Actually, even in English, I think that's it would the most be. common now. You wouldn't th- in English, it would be Q-U, yeah. probably something or other. I wouldn't pronounce, I mean, it's how it's spelled in English, you wouldn't think of it naturally how English is written to be cumin either. However, leaving that ugly word, I don't think it's a very nice word either. I don't like how it sounds. We're going to go to another sound. And Fletcher, are you ready for this one? <laughs> oh, yeah, I was born ready for this one. Uh, <laughs> delicious little potato pastas. Yep. Um, G- G-N-O-C-C-H-I. Uh, I-, I think it's gnocchi. Yes. Oh, it's so good, too. I love it so much. Perfect. I would argue, <laughs> I'm going to be pickier, that it's more gnocchi. It's more of an awe than an oh, gnocchi. I think. 
Hmm. Yeah, more New York-y. Don't you think, Ross? Yeah, actually, I do. But I was so proud of <laughs> Fletcher for getting that GN correctly because we hear a lot of times Naki, which is without, I mean, you don't pronounce the uh, people not pronouncing the G at all. And um, I mean, it's a problem in English because it's pronounced like the GN is like lasagna. But when it's in the middle of a thing, we have no problem saying it. When it's the beginning, we do. But Fletcher got mm. it correct. And Fletcher, do you know what an individual gnocchi would be called? No, I I always talk about my cute little gnocchis that I'm going to eat. So so no, I have no idea. Um, I, I, no, I, I could make something up like a gnocchis, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> well, this is a completely useless bit of information, but technically it's a gnocchi. With an O at the end, which is singular. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That is very cool. <laughs> Although, who would ever ask for just one? Not, no, no one that would ever be friends with me. <laughs> no. Yeah, really, I'm with you. No, I mean, that's a completely useless thing of, to know, but whatever. <laughs> uh, up now, um, something, I guess, a little more from your neck of the woods and something that I got yelled at about by a, a server in a restaurant one time. When I was, I don't know, probably 14 or 15, uh, G-Y-R-O, we know this is sort of a, a sandwich, a wrap. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what you what you call that. Anyway, um, I, I was yelled at loudly by a man who said, hero. It's probably a relative of ours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not gyro in spite of the spelling, which is what a lot of people say, and which I say now. As a joke, I started saying it. Now I say gyro without thinking. Which is horrible. No, but the problem with Greek is Greek doesn't really have any more of the G sound, or right? it does not have a G sound in it. So it's really more like a G, a hero. Now, technically, and we're going to get really ridiculous here, and I'm going to be another sort of pedantic here. It's technically a gyros with an S at the end. But if you're ordering it, you would order a gyro because it, then it becomes the accusative case, which is getting really tricky. And then many. How would you say many gyros? Technically, in Greek, you'd say many yiri, which is really getting silly. I actually, though, in a weird way, I kind of am annoyed at that guy who yelled at you. Because I don't really see much wrong with saying gyro. Do you guys really? I don't. I don't have any problem with it. And I'm Greek. Okay. Well, we've reached the end of the first course of our meal. We'll let our belts out just a bit and take a breather and come back in a couple of weeks for the rest of our word feast. And we're going to start with something really interesting, which is... A tea that is cold. How do you pronounce a certain kind of tea that is cold? We'll bet most of you mispronounce this word. A cold tea. The wheels are already turning. And speaking of turning, we'll take a minute now and turn to something we always love to talk about. There's recently been an announcement of the word of the year. Okay. Um, actually, this is one we want to see if you would guess. I, I don't think you will, but we're hoping you won't since you got every food pronunciation correct. So it's time to take you down, Fletcher. Um, <laughs> Collins, um, as in the dictionary company, uh, announced lockdown as the word of the year for 2020. And, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about word origins. And this one surprised both Ross and me as to what the word origin was. Um, do you want to take a guess? What, what? Oh, I should also explain that Collins chose lockdown because it's used so much during the pandemic. And as they put it, it encapsulates the shared experience of billions of people, which indeed it does. But where do you think lockdown came from? Does it have something to do with ships passing through a certain area? That is a really good guess. But... <laughs> 
the word tends to actually be something related to water. You're right. But it's more um, strips of wood or pegs that collect, uh, that secured the poles of a raft together when timber was transported by river, which, which I thought was a really weird uh, origin. But it's a lockdown locking these uh, strips of wood together. It came from um, the German for, you know, a lock. Oh, and, the, and actually, the, the lock you're talking about, the boat lock, obviously is, comes from that because it was a fastening mes- mechanism. So it was a barrier and a canal. But the whole concept of lockdown, as we're using it, started only in the 1970s here. Wow. Which, so, I know. Yeah. Isn't that strange? Now, I would have guessed that word is as old as uh, English or something. It's really interesting, I think. And it started more for psychiatric wards and then prisons. And I think we know that from prisons or prison movies. And then from there, it came to general population and, you know, the the current uh, meaning we have now. How did it make that jump even to, to psychiatric wards and prisons? Do you have any idea? That is a very good question. And we did a lot of research on it. And I'll tell you something. We don't know. Well, we did have, I mean, in the 15th and 16th centuries, you did use um, lock locking in, like you locked in a person somewhere. You locked yeah. up a, a door or a room. But the concept of lock, so I would assume lockdown sort of spawned from that, don't you think? Well, one of the guesses that we talked about, though, was that maybe lockdown in the old sense, in a weird way, may not be related to the lockdown in the new sense. And that's, I mean, maybe we have a word lockdown that in the 18, 1880s meant we're putting a peg in these this raft together. And then maybe we have another word that locked down the same word, same spelling, same pronunciation that popped out from what Kathy was just saying of locking people up. That's a possibility. I want, that's a good point, though, because it like stand down. You know what I mean? Like stand down is, is, is I mean, the down and stand down isn't down you know that doesn't sound right but you know what i mean so you're right that maybe the lockdown just is the same word but it's not the same it didn't stem from the peg Mm -hmm. it's just a yeah two different origins that's the problem Hmm. with language you never know i want a gnocchi This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Seattle, Washington. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us. They're how we get more people to find us. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.